and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about late soybean weed control. We're going to get into a number of other topics on our show today and get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later. If you've got any questions for us or you'd like to talk about anything that's happening on your farm right now, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So just a little bit earlier today, I was reading something about tiling, Darren, and I wanted to talk about this just right off the bat because there was some study. Oh, Darren's handing me a, oh yeah. Is okay. That it? So uh, let's see. Yeah. So there's an article that came out. Let's oh, see. Okay. Where, just uh, happened where, to print that out. <laughs> yeah. So where, where was this out of, by the way? Did you happen to see what state that was out of? Uh, anyway. So the, the point was simply, let's see, at the very end... Uh, the researcher says, my message to farmers is don't overdrain. Try to determine the widest possible spacing that allows for close to optimum yield. Now, I don't know this person, and no offense, I mean, that's their opinion. That's not my opinion. Can I put it more bluntly? Um, there's no possible chance that's what I'm doing. Okay, and here's the reason why. Because when you're only going to go for what you think might be um, okay, it's never okay. In my experience, because we always end up with years like 2018 and 2019, where we've got all kinds of rainfall and we can't get rid of it. And anyway, their whole point here was that, hey, farm drainage is necessary, but we have issues with nitrates. And they talked about, well, the reason why we have issues, it's in the off season. There, there's water coming out of the tie lines and we have issues with nitrates. So this obviously is not from South Dakota because in the off season here, the ground's frozen. And this is one of the things we talk about all the time, how we're in a different environment than a lot of other people. And so we try to talk to these different environments. And here's my point. What they brought up in this article was the need for cover crops to stop nitrates from going into the water. And I don't have a real big issue with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's just in our geography, what I often tell people is, look, by the time you harvest, the ground is just about frozen. And hopefully you're planting just as the ground is thawing in the spring. There is no time for a cover crop if you raise a full season crop. If you don't raise a full season crop, then this makes complete sense. Because what a lot of people forget is, forget about nitrogen applications for a second. In a lot of the ground in the Midwestern United States and in Southern Canada, we have three, four, five, six percent organic matter. Well, what does that tell you? If you've got two or three months in the fall where nothing is growing, you might have 30, 50, 100 pounds of nitrogen that's going to be released by the soil. Well, if nothing is there to use it, then yes, it's possible it could go out with the water. So that's why we talk all the time about have a full season crop. And if you don't want to do that, at least raise a cover crop or a second cash crop, and then you can use that nitrogen. So anyway, they, they just made comment in this article that, well, farmers don't want to lose the nitrogen, but this is what's happening. I'm like, well, that's a simple problem to figure out. And, you know, the, the other thing is I want to come back to this for just a second about the very last comment that was in here that I brought up first that said, don't over drain. Well, here's why that is the opposite of what we want to do. And let me explain why. Because when you have poor drainage, when does the poor drainage typically occur? It's early in the season. 
before the crop is using lots of water. Think about corn, for example. When corn's tasseling, they say it uses about a third of an inch of water a day per acre. So in three days, it takes a whole inch. So in a week, that's two and a third inches. That's a lot. I mean, that's as much as we've gotten all spring. Actually, since the first of the year, practically, that's what we've gotten. So what I'm saying is, Early in the season, that's when we have the flooding issues, okay, when we have the excess water issues. And if right then we have excess water, what does that mean? That means the water table is too high. Roots die, and a lot of soil life dies. But what ends up happening then is, okay, later on things start to dry out a little bit, organic matter starts to mineralize, but your crop is horrible with no root system, and it can't even extract or use that nitrogen. So you will have more nitrogen going through those tile lines when that happens to you because you had poor drainage. So anyway, what they're saying here and what they're telling you is wrong. And I I just want to make sure we're perfectly crystal clear on that. You need great drainage all the time. It's not as much about water management as it is about air management early in the season. You've got to have air in that soil. 25% of soil should be air. And if you have that, you have better soil health, you have better soil life, you have more root growth, and then you'll th- those plants will use a lot more nitrogen in total. So anyway, that's the way you prevent a lot of nitrogen loss, and then certainly applying nitrogen at the right times. So if you've got light soil and warm conditions all the time and lots of rainfall, well, then you better be spoon-feeding that nitrogen all the time. If you have no irrigation, heavy soils, very little rain, and super dry soils to begin with, like we did this spring, I don't care if you put it all on up front, it's never going to leach. So you have to look at what your conditions are and be realistic about the possibility of leaching. Because when you have that chance for leaching, yeah, nobody wants that. But let me throw one other thing out at you that a lot of people don't ever talk about. The drinking water standard for nitrate nitrogen is 10 parts per million. It's 10 parts per million. Chances are you have had water to drink today, or at least hopefully you have. I will promise you the water you drank contained nitrate. It's okay, though. Don't worry. Chances are it was less than 10 parts per million, and the odds are extremely high that most of this water that comes out of tile lines is less than 10 parts per million, too. I know because we've done the tests. Well, and I, I just think we we need more chemistry training in our schools or something because why don't people understand how much nitrogen is in the air? There's a huge amount. We're breathing 70%. in tons of nitrogen. Roughly Every day. Seven, roughly 70% of our air that we breathe in is nitrogen. So, yes, you got to understand what's actually toxic and what's not. Because people start saying, oh, this compound is toxic. Nitrate is not toxic by itself when it's at a low enough level. The dose always, always makes the poison. So, until you understand that, you just go, oh, nitrogen's bad. No, it's not. All right, we're going to get into late season weed control right after this. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. 
In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And I love this topic, late season soybean weed control. We are towards the end here. It's June 29th. This is a very important day. June 30th, there are some options that come off the table. We're also at R1. At R1, there are some options that come off the table. R2, there are more options that come off the table. So you've got to be on alert in your soybean fields if you've got some weeds out there. Today's one of the last best days to get things under control. I've got our friend Dan Waldstein with BASF. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Darren. Good to be with you. You know, I was thinking about Ingenia today and Extend and Extend Flex Soybeans, and I, I did a radio interview with a, a, a local outfit in Minnesota about this today. Man, June 30th is tomorrow. What should farmers be doing today? Hey, uh, I got a couple ideas. What do you think about late soybean weed control right now? Yeah, I knew it was uh, no coincidence you had this uh, topic <laughs> scheduled for today. It's like... Uh, uh, maybe Ingenia Eve. I'm not sure what we would call it, but yeah, <laughs> June 30th is the is the last day, and uh, let's hope the spraying conditions out there are good. Uh, but it is an excellent tool for us to um, get on the dicamba tolerant acre. And um, we talked a little bit about um, R1 as a limitation as well. So for our Liberty acres, um, those applications uh, need to be on before the start of bloom, and that's really true for any uh, glufosinate product. So those are a couple options that are kind of running late in the clock, unless maybe they're June planted soybeans. There may be some opportunities there with Liberty. But um, as you said, June 30th for soybeans, a key date. Our guys, uh, friends to the south there with cotton, uh, for most states have a July 30th cutoff. So they've got a little more time in cotton, but uh, that won't help the guys in the Midwest. Nope, that's for sure. And I, I look at it right now with uh, the shortages in the industry of glyphosate, of glufosinate, and a lot of different products. 
hey, we've got Ingenia available and a lot of farmers have got it on their farms and, and now's the time to get that used. Okay, so talk to us about this, Dan. If you're putting it out there now, we've certainly got a lot of crop up and a lot of things going on out there with weather and whatnot. What are some of the things you've seen this year? I know the, the label has, there's been tons and tons of work that, that went into that Ingenia label, lots of research and, and certainly really confident in, in what's there. Are, are there some key points that you'd like to make about an application at this time, and you got some pretty big weeds out there, I'm betting. Yeah, the big weeds are going to be challenging. We want to make sure we're keeping the volumes up so we get good coverage. Um, Ingenia is a systemic herbicide, so it's not. Uh, it, it's still important, but not quite as critical as Liberty. Liberty is absolutely essential to get that gallons uh, up. You know, 20 gallons per acre um, is really what we need to get for Liberty. But Ingenia still. 15 to 20 gallons, make sure we're getting good coverage on there. And um, if we can, and we're running late now, but getting a residual herbicide in for water hemp is important. But the reality is a lot of those cut off already. So outlook would be through V5, residual through V6. And so, again, unless we're, we're talking about early June planted beans, some of the residual options may be limited at this point as well. You know, the other thing I, I start thinking about here with some of the other things that guys are doing out there, I think about dry weather, I think about really how soon we're going to be planting again there, either this fall with a crop potentially or next spring. Uh, I had a question today uh, looking at, hey, I'm going to be planting winter wheat this fall and looking at, at different things. I, I know you talk a lot about residual and, and some of the residual control you get out of Ingenious. Certainly this isn't something that's going to impact a future crop rotation though. Right, yeah, the dicamba products like Ingenia, um, you know, in uh, in corn status is a pretty good one because it does have a relatively uh, short residual. We don't really consider those products uh, residual products, even though you might get, you know, a, a week or two out of them, depending on the you know environmental conditions. So, yeah, they're, they're good for coming in with a fall crop. Or, I know a lot of guys are working with cover crops, so those would be some options there um, it, for them to consider. All right, Dan Waldstein with, with BASF. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right. Thanks, Darren. I love that, how he said it. It's Ingenia Eve here. You, you just got a couple days left to get that dicamba work done out there. Uh, let's talk to uh, Trevor Israel next to with Valent. Trevor, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Darren. Thank you for having me on. You know, we're getting a lot of questions around Cobra and Phoenix applications as, as we get to this timing. And I, I keep saying this, Cobra and Phoenix are amazing for small weeds. Uh, if you've got three foot tall weeds out there, don't be expecting too much really out of any product. But uh, we get get some white mold questions in a few areas where guys are catching some rain and humidity and so forth, and and they've got crop nearing canopy, and and then certainly we get some late season water hemp emergence questions too. So when you look at Cobra and Phoenix, what what should we know about those as we're we're trying to make them work this summer? Well, you uh, you hit one of the main points right there already is the size of the weeds um, with these post PPOs. Uh, Cobra and Phoenix have uh, with the lactofen those post PPOs. A weed size is important. Really, anything over four inches tall is uh, just tough to uh, to get uh, full control. There's so many growing points in some of these water hemp and pigweed plants that uh, they can really come back unless you kill the entire plant. So that's the main thing right there. You can uh, improve that with coverage. 
I improve that uh, with using a crop oil or MSO with with Cobra. Uh, and like you said, some of the the taller weeds will be tough to get uh, that uh, coverage on all those weeds. And of course, with the approaching canopy, um, weeds may be uh, covered or hidden by the the soybean canopy, so you won't get full coverage uh, uh, on those uh, weed leaves. So. Uh, increasing pressure, increasing uh, the uh, gallons per acre on your spray application can uh, can improve your uh, your uh, rate of success for those weeds. Um, for, uh, same as uh, goes with uh, with Resource. It's a, a tank mix partner, Flumaclorac, a um, PPO that uh, you can tank mix with a, a Roundup or a Liberty application um, to really improve. Uh, uh, um, that uh, initial, that quick burn down of some of these weeds, uh, the water hen, so they, uh, the soybeans can uh, help get the canopy um, even faster. Another thing on the Cobra, um, even though we don't consider a uh, the six ounces a uh, an herbicidal rate, a weed killing rate, the, it is approved for white mold. So you mentioned white mold uh, coming up as uh, um, you know we started getting some moisture, so that uh, that again comes to, to the, the front of the mind. Uh, and the six ounces is uh, excellent for uh, um, prophylactic weed control, or excuse me, white mold control. Um, you put apply it to the uh, soybean plants uh, right at uh, first bloom, or uh, you know, right at R1. Uh, you can uh, actually initiate a uh, response in the plant to uh, help fend off white mold infection. So you actually kind of jumpstart the plant's defenses uh, with that six ounces of cobra. So. Even though it's not uh, high enough to kill uh, uh, water hemp uh, uh, as a guarantee, but for white mold, you can actually get enough bronzing on there, get that plant response uh, to help fend off that white mold. So uh, kind of an very interesting product there. Yeah, it sure is. Kind of a dual-purpose product, and and it's one of those things that this timing is – we're just hitting the reproductive stages on soybeans. We've got crop that's going to be canopying real soon. Is something people definitely want to be thinking about. And we're talking with Trevor Israel here with Valent. Trevor, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Uh, thank you very much, Darren. Brian, Trevor mentioned a couple things here about just trying to get these weed control products into the plants and just the how critical using the right adjuvants can be especially when we've got exceptionally dry weather in certain areas of the country yeah the the adjuvant thing is really really important i it it's frustrating when we've got a great crop coming and then we just can't buy rain but there were a lot of people that just got rain here in the last few days so now all of a sudden attitudes change and you know that's that's the whole thing we just don't know what's going to happen with this weather but we do know that if you let weeds go they are going to hurt yields especially in soybeans so we, we often see farmers spraying soybean weeds way into late July. Just depends on the situation, how big the beans are, what kind of crop crop canopy we have and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, with spray adjuvants, it's very important to bust through the thick wax that's developing on a lot of these leaves because of the hot and dry conditions. So that's where crop oil, methylated seed oil, those kind of things can really help. Well, we'll continue talking about late soybean weed control right after this. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. 
Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Join us for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We're putting on a full day that you won't want to miss. Yield champs will share about raising yields and profits. Industry experts will discuss drainage law, estate planning, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you dozens of research plots and have equipment running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day. Register now at agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about late soybean weed control. And ah, oh, wouldn't it be nice if the weeds just came one time early in the season? We have it out. <laughs> we we spray them, we pull them, whatever, and then they just quit coming. Ah, oh, man, that make crop production so much easier. Uh, but down in Georgia, I think you've got growing season all year long. We've got Eric Prosco with us with the University of Georgia. Eric, does a water hemp plant or a palmer pigweed ever stop growing in the state of Georgia? No, it does not, unless you tried to grow it on purpose. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, if we put it in 30-inch rows and fertilized yep. it, you're right. It would probably yep. really struggle. Yep, if you really tried to do it, it probably wouldn't happen. But no, we... We start earlier in the spring. I can't remember how earlier it was emerging now, but it was probably back in April or March where we had starting to see some early emergence and then wow. pretty much all, all year all year long through the, at least through the, the 
well, we don't get cold like you do, but when it gets colder, maybe it slows down a little bit, but then it'll still flower when it's a uh, six inches tall. So it's, it's an amazing plant really uh, from a biological perspective. I know farmers don't want to hear that, but it really <laughs> no, is. No, they definitely don't want to hear that. Okay. So how late <laughs> in the soybean crop do you still want to try to control weeds? Is there a point? I know like in corn, they talk a lot about, man, if you can keep that field just perfectly clean till the corn is 12 inches tall, you, you've gotten over most of the yield impact of weeds. How about in soybeans? Well, that's, that's tr- basically true for soybeans, right? We have a window there that if we can keep the weeds out of there during that window, they're technically not going to compete with your crop other than they could be a harvesting problem if some pigweeds can get kind of woody. But we've started talking more over the last, I don't know, I guess since 2004 now, you know, even though we may only have a few weeds there that aren't hurting your yields, they're still producing seed, and that's even worse, right? So we're almost at the point where we're at zero tolerance, where we, we don't want any in the field because of the seed production. And if you let just a few plants go to seed, then you're back to ground zero next year if, if one of those plants can, female plants can produce 500 plus 500,000 plus seed. So we really don't have any tolerance anymore for any pigweed. No, no, I, I can certainly see that. All right. So I was thinking about you guys this summer too, when we started to see some herbicide product shortages around the country. And I thought, oh man, that's one thing for growers in South Dakota where I'm at, that where we have a short growing season. But how about in areas where there's a longer growing season? What are you seeing in the state of Georgia? Are you seeing growers having well, to go to different options they haven't used for a while? I would say generally we haven't had a problem. Uh, it's probably been more with some fungicides. We, we spray a lot of fungicides here on some of our crops like peanuts, but I would say in general, I really haven't heard of any major problems. So it's it's been an okay. Um, uh, there's been some issues with Roundup and things like that, but uh, I haven't heard anybody saying they couldn't get anything they needed. Um, so we we've been okay. Um, good. We haven't good. struggled too much, so it's been good. You know, we've heard we heard all you all you guys in the Midwest were stockpiling everything. Oh no and, no uh, no no, Eric! It's frozen up here, so <laughs> we can't even get stuff here before it's all used up in the South. That's our challenge. Hey, I, is guys are going in the South so much <laughs> earlier. That's where all the trucks want to go. Well, you know, everybody down here says all the corn and soy. You know, the ninety million plus acres of corn and soy, or ninety million each. Right, you guys are the big dog, and then peanuts and cotton are the little dog. So we get forgotten sometimes, but it's been okay. I, I'm kidding, but uh, generally it's been okay. It's, uh, we haven't had any major issues. Good, our, good. Our, our biggest challenges have been weather. So now, as usual, one thing I was thinking about when um, when I was going to talk to you today about late soybean weed control. I know University of Georgia had some studies about weed control in corn that the yield impact. Uh, on the crop, the negative impact of spraying late was there with corn. Is there a negative yield impact of spraying late in soybeans as well? Well, I, I think it often depends on what you're talking about, what technology you're using, um, or if you're using some older chemistries perhaps that might be a little more caustic on the crop, that that potential is there. But I think when we're in our normal window of these through early somewhere you know before r1 or something like that uh, i don't think there's a problem um but there could be but in general i don't know that i've seen that we really are trying to be 
get our guys to spray early and then put some residuals in there so we don't get in that scenario where we're, we have to make a decision about making an application on a later stage of growth that could potentially be a problem. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know I was down at University of Arkansas and some studies that they had going on, and oh my goodness, uh, they're saying, well, look at look at the untreated check, and the pigweed was just taken over, and they said, well, what would you do on that one? I said, I think I'd get the disc out. <laughs> I don't think oh, I'd yeah. even try and kill those big things, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. sometimes when you see, go, you, you see research plots, we're dealing with uh, massive amounts of weeds that hopefully wouldn't be the same on a grower's field. And so it gives us a couple of things that tells us what really works, but then it can be challenging to get full season weed control. But uh, I, I really think we're, we're talking about late, and you've heard this a million times, you know, probably the, the, the one thing in all the work that we do, the one thing that works every time is being timely. But that's the hardest thing to do because you can't control the weather, you can't control breakdowns, and... Uh, you, you want to be there today to make a spray, but then it rained three inches that tonight. So those, the, it's one thing to be, say we can be timely, but it's just harder to, harder to do and when you got a lot of acres to get over. Yeah, it sure, it sure is. And, and I think everybody, weather delays, all right, that happens. But equipment breakdowns, oh, that's very frustrating seeing yeah. your neighbors wind, be able wind, to go right. out there and do a good job and you just can't. And the wind is, is even more critical now if you're spraying – no, dicamba or 2,4-D, we really have to, you know, I think it's good for everything that we're paying better attention to the wind, but if the wind's blowing too much or the wrong way, you can't do anything if you're spraying an auction technology. That's right. That's right. Well, we've sure seen the the challenges with that over the last couple of years, no doubt about it. We're talking but, with... But it, but it all it all gets back to the residuals, doesn't it? We've talked about that before. Having residuals in there, to, multiple residuals throughout the season to try to keep those pigweeds from coming back as best we can. Yep, I agree. It's one thing about burning them down, but you're right. The best way to control them is never let them emerge. We're talking with Eric Prosco here with the University of Georgia. Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Really appreciate the advice, and, and good luck here heading into the rest of the summer. All right. All right. Thank you, and uh, same to you. Yep. Let's head down to Oklahoma. Got Landon on with us right now. Landon, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? You know, not too bad, not too bad. So uh, double crop beans down there. What what was the wheat crop like, and, and what are you thinking heading into this bean crop? Well, uh, the wheat crop was pretty good for the most part. Uh, we had, uh, I think we had a pretty good wheat crop. I just, uh, we've got a lot of rain coming in now. We're not quite done with wheat harvest yet. But uh, we've never tried soybeans before, but with the prices, we think it's a good idea to or maybe try we were going to go for some double crop Milo, but uh, with the, how wet it is right now, I don't think we're going to be able to get in there in time uh, to get that crop out. Might not be able to finish, but with some beans, maybe we've got a better shot, you know. Okay. So what do, what do you think? What's your question today? Okay. So my question is I got a pretty, we had about 70, 80 bushel wheat on a couple of these fields, and uh, we've got a lot of residue out there, and uh, our planters are on 36s. That's what we've got with the other plant because we know we can get a better stand with it. And my, my question, uh, what am I going to do? Uh, I don't have a no-till planter, so I'm going to have to run a VT across it, a turbo chopper. And uh, it's aggressive. And uh, But my question is, 
my burn down on, I'm going to use some glyphosate and dicamba ahead of these beans. I need to be able to kill those weeds, start off clean, but I'm wondering if I should spray and wait for that tillage pass to happen or if that, you know, this vertical, this vertical tillage is really light duty. It doesn't, doesn't do a lot of damage to the weeds. It just provides a good place to plant that seed. Uh, yeah, we almost I'm just wondering if maybe I could go in. Yeah, we almost always say spray first, then till. If you want to do it that way, that that's what I Especially would. Especially if you're wet right now, it gives you a little chance to to let things dry out a little bit too. Yep. Hey, uh, Landon, yeah. we got we got to go to commercial break real quick. Uh, if if you got more questions, just hang on here and uh, and we'll talk to you a little bit more. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. Right before the break, we were talking to Landon from Oklahoma. He said it's wet down there, but uh, he is uh, just wrapped up wheat harvest and going to beans and wondering what to do for a burndown application. He said Roundup plus dicamba and Landon. Yeah, again, we would probably spray and then till. If you till first, the problem is you cut up a lot of these weeds. They don't take the herbicide in very well, and it just doesn't turn out as good in our experience. So that's what we would do. Yeah, I totally agree. And so my next question is, uh, if I were to spray, how long do I need to wait? I mean, we're going to have really good growing conditions. It's going to get into the hot, you know, the low yep. 90s yep. with a lot of moisture. So how long do I need to wait until I make that vertical tillage pass? Usually they're going to tell you, on spray. yep, for Roundup 24 hours for dicamba, it's a little bit longer than that. I'd probably say... 48 hours, maybe 72, something like that. Okay. I was thinking, yeah, obviously the longer the best, the right. better, but, you know, you got to get the, you know, I don't know when we're going to get out there. We may not even get out there for keep trim. We've had about nine inches of rain here in the last, well, since Friday night. <laughs> That's as much and as so, we've had in the last 12 months. <laughs> I know. I wish I, I wish I could send it north, and, especially those guys in the Pacific Northwest. Those guys are just burning up up there. But, yep. Yep. I yeah. Just, I just, I don't know. It's just weird. But yep, that's yeah, the that's way it goes. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's just crazy. I, I'll probably just go ahead and spray as early as I can get out there, then run that vertical tillage pass. And yep. I got a couple more questions oh, I have the, on the phone. Oh, I'm, a, yeah, I'm not, a brand new. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I'm a brand new soybean grower. I've never done this before. Okay. But, uh, can I mix my. Uh, would you mix your pre's in with that burn down or would you come back over the beans after? Yeah, it's funny. That was your next question because that was the thing I was going to throw in there. Um, I mean, <laughs> the Roundup and Dicamba, those are really just for burn down. I mean, Dicamba has a little bit of residual, but not that much. Now, I assume you're planting, yes. are you planting extend beans or extend flex? Yep. Yeah, they'll be they'll be extend beans. Okay. Ready, or, yeah, or yep. ready to extend. Yep. Yeah. yep, yep. Okay. So, yes, that's typically what pretty much every farmer does is throws their pre's in with the burn down. And so a lot of times you'll hear us talking about, and you don't have to run this same program, but we run a yellow like Prowl or Trifluralin. We will go with some Metribuzin and then we'll use one of the PPOs, either Valor or Authority. And grand total, you know, we're going to spend in the range of 10 to 20 bucks, something like that. But then we get really good residual on things like water hemp, palmer pigweed, kochia, uh, ragweed, and lamb's quarters. Yes, and I was already planning to put my valor in uh, with that dicamba and the roundup, and yep. I was probably going to put some prowl in. The, the three prees, I was probably going to do that. Yep. Um, you know, I, I've got those exact weeds out there, uh, palmer, amaranth, crabgrass, kochia, all the easy ones, you know. <laughs> yes, but, you know, this is why it's so important on these prees. So over the last few days, I've been talking to some of the top people in BSF. I just spoke with a bunch of them this morning and Corteva last week. And I also am constantly talking to farmers and agronomists, and we farm about 3,200 acres here too. And here's, here's where I'm going with this. Well, we like dicamba uh, and we like, you know, Liberty and a lot of these other herbicides. They're not perfect products. 
So if those yeah. weeds start to get ahead of you, it's really hard to get them under control. And, you know, Palmer can destroy your yields fast. So we got to try to stay ahead of them as best as we can, use multiple modes of action, and then we're in much better shape. So, yeah, if you have a good pre-program, plus you're doing that Roundup Dicamba thing, you're going to be great to start. And then you just have to, you know, kind of time things out as you go later. I will tell you, though, if you're going to plant in 36-inch rows, we we actually used to do that, too. We were in 38s uh, for a long okay. time. And we took our beans and we went more narrow because you don't re- you won't reach crop canopy for a really long time in soybeans on 36 inch rows. Uh, we're on 30 mm-hmm. inch rows up here, and that's bad enough. Uh, a lot of guys have gone to 15 inch rows. We used to do seven inch. We used to do 10 inch. So the, our problem up here is we'd get sclerotinia white mold when we go to those narrow rows at little a little worse. You're not going to run into that down there. You got enough heat. So I, I would at yeah. least be considering, and I don't know what other soybean guys are doing in your area, but if you look around, I'll bet you a lot of them are running more narrow rows, a lot more narrow rows than 36 inch. They are. We're, we're yep. the exception down here. That's just, we, we can, we could take our no-till drill out there. Uh, I just don't think in that raw straw, I could really get a great stand with our, our no-till just, drill right now. Just I just out, think we could do a better job with that planter. Just out of curiosity, how many acres are you going to hope to plant here soon of soybeans? Oh, I'd like to plant 250 of, of soybeans right now. Okay, you know? so, so I would encourage you to do this because this is how we learned with a lot of these things too. Just take your planter at least in some strips or half field or whatever and just go back and cut it in half so then you're at 18 inch rows and just see if you get more yield and and pay attention to the weed control there too because when you get that quicker canopy with all the weeds that you got down there I mean it's like greenhouse growing conditions with your heat and moisture and everything you got I mean the weed populations could explode and having the, the the narrower rows will help you yes I agree Hey, one one more question. Yep. Uh, what if I'm on thirty six dollars? What would your population be? What would you try to go for down here? Well, usually when we're in rows, thirties or thirty six or thirty eight, we're typically talking one hundred and forty thousand seeds per acre. So. Yeah. Uh, there are some people who go more. Uh, there are some people who go less. The challenge with soybeans is th- the germination percentage is not nearly as good as it is on corn, typically. And soybeans, it only takes a little bit of stress and they die. So <laughs> we just don't have the same good, consistent stands like we do on corn. So if you wanted to try to cut her down to 120,000 or something, you could sure do that. But, I, you know, I occasionally will read about some of these guys, and, and we talked to some guys, high yield guys, doing lower populations. Yet, I'm mm-hmm. just not super comfortable with that. What were you thinking of going with pop for population? Well, we were thinking we were looking at how far the seeds would be apart. We're thinking about a lot of guys down here do ninety thousand on thirty inch planters, and so if we were on thirty six as ours, if we did ninety thousand, we'd be even a little closer. And I, I feel I feel really confident how well our our planter will get a stand. And so you know, I was thinking. I don't know. I'm. I, would, <laughs> yep. I just. I just look at how close the seeds are going to be. I'm thinking they don't really need to be that close. You know. I mean, I, I tend to overplant. We tend to overplant things. And 
Sure. They just really burn up and it gets real dry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, yeah. It, it's just the difference with soybeans compared to most other crops. Soybeans have the ability to self thin and they also have the ability to bush out. So, what, what yeah. we typically look at after hail, after, I'm going to call it disasters, 80,000 is kind of our cutoff. And if we have a final stand of less than 80,000, we're not very happy. So, that okay. all I'm getting at is if you're at 90 and we typically I mean germination standard germination percentage on soybeans is only 90 percent you know now you're already down to 81,000 plants if everything is perfect so I I would not plant that low I I, I don't know what you think Darren but if it's me no I'm going to be over a hundred thousand plants per acre for sure absolutely gotcha. yep I got you Okay, some things to think about. Yep. And, you know, like like we say, what? just try hey, some stuff your, out. Yeah, it's your first time growing the soybeans. Just do a few different checks. Have right. a couple of passes at different pops. It's good to spread your risk anyway. Yep. So, yeah, we've run all kinds of yeah. population studies ourselves over the years, and we've done it with a lot of other farmers. We've done the row spacing studies, lots of them over the years as well. So you got to do a few of those just to see what works best in your area. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Will do. So, hey, thanks for the thanks for taking my call, guys. Yep. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the show. You bet. Thanks. Anytime. All right. Uh, to wrap things up on the late soybean weed control, let me just say weeds hurt yield. And weeds, if they go to seed, then they become problematic for years to come. So with corn, a lot of times I just feel like I'm going to let it go. If my, Our corn right now is six feet tall. So I'm not worried about stuff. Typically, the corn will choke out the weeds, and it's no big deal. But right now, we don't even have in 30-inch rows, or like Landon was talking about, 36-inch rows. There's no way those beans are canopied yet um, in our region. And so we are unfortunately have to still spray some herbicides yet to get those weeds stopped. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we'll be right back with the Ag PhD Mailbag after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. It is Ag PhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls at 844 44 Ag PhD and your questions via email radio at agphd.com throughout the rest of the show here. Got this one from Matt and he said, I'm an agronomist working with a farmer who just recently put irrigation up. He's got a center pivot and two different quarters, and he plans to raise silage corn there. He runs a pretty large feedlot operation, and he had some water samples done. And looking for another opinion on them, he's got some concerns about chloride levels, and there's some other numbers on there that might be concerning as well. He's just wondering, is this safe to water the corn, or are there, there are some issues with it? Okay. So here's what here's the information we got. This I'm looking at one of the tests. It says 492 parts per million of chloride. If I run the math, for every inch of water I would put on, I'd be putting on 111 pounds of chloride. Is 111 pounds of chloride concerning to me? Not a chance. That's fine. Think about when you put potash on. If you put on, uh, let's see, what would that be? Roughly 250 pounds of potash. Well, you're getting that much chloride. So that's fine. Did you see how it's, much potassium is in that too? Uh, hey, uh, uh, yeah, 806 parts per million. This one, I can't, 1,083. I, I, I just, I, I got to be honest. When we look at this, we're, we're really questioning if this could possibly be accurate. This can't be normal water uh, because it says 806 parts per million of potassium and 656 parts per million of sodium. The we important just thing to remember here is- samples that look quite like that. No, chloride is leachable. So chloride's going to move through with water. So I'm not that worried about that, but I'm super concerned about the sodium. And quite frankly, even in the potassium, I mean, it's not going to take very long and you're going to overload your soils with everything. So that, that, that water, I, I, I just, I can't believe this is actual water. When they sent me this, I thought it was some uh, effluent or, you know, something uh, like that, not groundwater that i don't believe this can possibly be groundwater so why don't you get back to us on that because this just doesn't look right 
Okay, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. This this next one comes from Chad, and he said, "Guys, I'm curious about uh, pre side dress nitrate testing. Hadn't done that before. We we sent you some samples here. Put on 20 gallons of 28 percent early, 16 more gallons in a two by two, plus five gallons of 10:34 out planting. Also, now normally we've got five to six percent organic matter, really heavy soils. We're on continuous corn and have been for seven years, but we had a prevent plant year in 2019. Not sure how that impacts things. Got 80 day corn around Fargo here. We're shooting for 160, 175 bushel corn. Corn looks great. Looks dark green. We're V9, V10. And we were thinking we were going to come back with another 20 gallons at 28%. But after seeing these tests, we were thinking we might not need that much. What do you guys think? Okay. Well, one of the tests is 120 pounds in the top 12 inches. And the other test is 148 pounds. I will tell you, we like testing all the way down to 24 inches. So what we typically do is we'll do a 0 to 12 and we'll do a 12 to 24. So if you've got so some nitrogen, more than that. there may be more than that that your roots can extract. So that's where I'm going with that number one number two when we say 175 bushel yield goal roughly you're going to need 195 pounds of total nitrogen for the entire year somehow some way that plant is going to use 195 pounds oh and by the way what we didn't say you have to apply 195 pounds we're simply saying the crop has to use 195 pounds so if you've only got 120 pounds left, like in one of these samples, and you need 195, the crop probably still needs at least 160, maybe 170 yet. You would think, oh, I'm a little short, but your 5 or 6% organic matter soil should release that nitrogen, and I think you'll barely have enough to squeak by. I would say in your area, there are the, the possibility of raising a higher yield is there in the future. So if you would like to send us a complete soil test, we can take a look and see, well, what else could be a limiting factor for you to go for higher yields in the future? But yeah, I oh, here's the other thing. If you're going to apply more nitrogen, that's fine. But let's keep in mind, it's not going to do you any good at all unless you get a whole bunch of rain. So if you're going to put it on right before a rain is imminent, I'm fine with that. But otherwise, if you just hold off and wait and see, oh, we're not getting your rain, not getting your rain, not getting your rain, there's no point in putting it on anyway. But what I'm telling you here is I don't know that I would put any on either, or if I was going to do any, it might only be 20 or 30 pounds. Right. Thanks for the question. Thanks for pulling those tests too. That's a good deal when you know how much nitrogen you need so you're not overdoing it. That helps every farmer out there. All right. This is from Corey in South Central New York. You said we're down to the last little bit of corn to spray and it's getting big, but with wind and we also run a dairy farm, it's been, been kind of tough getting out there. The corn is big, but we're using Lumax with a pint of Roundup Power Max, and we've been happy with the control. We're just wondering, can we safely add boron, zinc, manganese, or is it worth it at this timing? And would you recommend going to drop nozzles at a certain point with the Roundup and the Lumax? Yes and yes. Micronutrients, oh, and I think, was he talking V7? You never read it there. Uh, no, that's a different one. Sorry. Okay, so what state? Oh, he just said late. 
Yep. Well, I don't know how late late is, but let's put it this so it's way: it's getting late and the corn's getting big. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Um, if my corn is bigger than about a foot and a half tall, then I'm, I'm giving serious consideration to drop nozzles in, in terms of getting weed control. Now, if that corn is a foot and a half tall or bigger, then by all means, yeah, foliar applying boron, zinc, and manganese is fine. Just keep the rate relatively low, and and you should be okay. But, you know, just to make a blanket statement, oh, it's going to help my yield putting boron, zinc, and manganese out there. I can't say that without looking at soil tests. I, no, and I really think the drop nozzles are going to be really critical for that Lumax and Roundup combination to get coverage. Because otherwise you get great big leaves that are going to intercept your spray. And also you don't want to get stuff down the whirl. If you've got four to six foot tall corn, you're going to hurt the corn. Here's the next thing that I'll bring up. With that Lumex, you've got atrazine and you've got Callisto ah, in there. So you're not labeled and then after 12 inches of corn. Exactly. So you can't spray that past 12-inch tall corn anyway. So hopefully your corn's not past 12 inches, and then it's no problem. So let's say that it is 12 inches. Um, yeah, I'm fine doing that. And yes, you could throw the boron, zinc, and manganese in. If it doesn't land on the plant, then it's going to land on the soil, and you'll you'll get to use it either later this year or, like in the case of zinc, next year. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. This one comes from Adam, and he has corn at V7 right now. He said okay. maybe some V6. But what he's thinking about is influencing the length of the corn cobs. He said, I'd, my goal is I'd like to produce more silk out the end of those ears. And I was thinking about making a fuller, foliar application of Alpha Complete and then coming back with some Mega Grow 2. Uh, one quart of boron, he said, I'm using a 10% product from Brandt, and then a quart of a corn mix that has some zinc and manganese and copper. I was wondering, is that too much for one shot on the corn? I'd be running 20 acres worth of volume to dilute that out. And I also was wondering if I should add any surfactant on that to help it stick. I would not add any surfactant. You got enough stuff in there that burns already, so I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't have a big problem with everything you suggested, throwing that all in there. But he, I, what I didn't hear was, what, and maybe you have it there, Darren, the rate of this zinc manganese copper that he's talking about, that blend. One quart. Oh, okay. So, yeah, a quart of that, a quart of boron. As long as you've got that mixed down with a whole bunch of water, you're going to be just fine. So I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, I would say this, though. Let's just say, and I don't know how much all that costs, but let's just say it costs... $25 an acre to do the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I get the question a lot, especially this year when, when prices have come around, they are low, like they've been for a long time and growers say, well, maybe I should just throw $25 at this crop. And they say, it only is going to take me five, five bushels, bushels. To, yep. to make it. It is a year to try some of these things. And I would say I would try some. There's no doubt about that. I'd do some strips out in several yes. different fields and see what I got. But if you said, well, I've got 1,000 acres of corn. I want to spray the whole 1,000. I'd say, man, what if it hurt the thing? What if it hurt the crowd? Well, I'm not worried that it's going to – this isn't going to hurt the crowd. That part I don't worry about. I'd say your odds are really slim on that. Uh, but I would say, to Darren's point, you want to test stuff at least a little bit. So let's say you had a thousand acres. Well, I'll give you the example on our own farm. We're doing some trial work. And what we always do is we farm like 3,200 acres. We'll take maybe a quarter section and we'll completely split it. So every other pass gets the stuff and every other pass uh, has nothing, is the untreated. And then we test stuff out that way. So yeah, I, I have no issue. And do it over a few fields. So then you get a few different varieties and a few different soil types and that 
that kind of thing, but make sure you're leaving check strips. Yeah, the other thing that I do ideally is I try it at a few different growth stages too. So you could say, let's try it at V2, let's try it at V5, let's try it at V8 and just see if it makes a difference. Yep. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.